1: See what Jesus is dependent upon my life of purity in the world you don't feel close to God maybe it's your sin you're living in sin no wonder you don't feel close to God repent get right with God get right with Jesus draw close to him and guess what he'll draw close to you and then all the glory in this woman's life now goes to Jesus first Corinthians says if a woman has long hair it's her glory she lets her hair down she gives him all the glory
0: Have you ever been in a place where you felt distanced from the Lord? Maybe that's where you are today. There can be different reasons for it, but one could be that you've fallen into a life of sin. Pastor Danny teaches on this in today's message. Your intimacy with the world will always hinder your intimacy with the Lord, and you have to decide which relationship is more important. Is it the world or is it the Lord? If you choose to draw close to the Father, He will draw close to you. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, as he continues his message, Worship in the Light of the Kingdom of God.
1: woe to me i cried woe to me it means judgment to me it means it means damnation to me it means i'm in trouble (laughs) i'm ruined for i am a man of unclean lips and i live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the king the lord almighty before isaiah's vision of the lord in in this fresh way he might have thought well i know i'm a sinner but i'm not as bad as them and now that he sees the Lord, I'm ruined. I'm damned. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth. Why his mouth? Jesus said, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's a heart problem. But he touches his mouth and he said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Now get this. He sees the holiness of God and in seeing the holiness of God, he realizes how sinful he is and how damned he is. At least that's what he deserves. And now he's forgiven. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I sin? And who will go for us? And I said, here I am, send me. Did you catch that Isaiah didn't say, "Uh, by the way, where do you want me to go? I really don't want to leave home. No, no, no. It's a full on commitment. It's a total surrender. Whom shall I send? Here am I. Even before he knows what the task is, what the mission is, or where he's to go, Lord, I'll go. I love it when God gives me things just from meditating on his word. And here's what he gave me. The greater vision one has of God and the greater appreciation for all he's done for us, the more expressive will be that person's worship of him and the more willing will be their service to him. Two issues, service and worship expression. I'm not gonna deal with service. I think the principle and the foundation there was laid in the message a couple of weeks ago with Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And true worshipers are willing to serve so the service will come naturally if we worship him acceptably with reverence and on and the scripture the lord led me to to challenges in this is luke chapter 7 luke chapter 7 and the event i'll read about interestingly enough is found in all four gospels matthew 26 mark 14 and john chapter 12 Holy Spirit puts it in all four Gospels, which tell us how important it is. God wants us to get it. Verse 36, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life. Now, she has a reputation. Everybody knows her sinfulness. She learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. If you compare the gospel accounts of this event, we know that the alabaster jar of perfume was very expensive perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, poured perfume on them. Normally you'd put perfume on the head of a distinguished guest. She puts it on his feet, probably as well as his head. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. He doesn't know Jesus knows what he's thinking. So Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You've judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and he said to Simon, you see this woman? I came into your house. You didn't give me any water for my feet, which was a common courtesy to have their feet washed. Even if the master didn't do it, he had a servant that would do it. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, which was customary in that culture, as a greeting. But this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put oil on my head, which again was a common courtesy, especially if the guest was distinguished. But she has poured perfume on my feet. You see the depth of her humility. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love is shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. And before I go on, I don't want you to miss the point in this real life event. The point in this real life event that we will show from the Scriptures is not who has more sin. That's not the point. The point is just the opposite. The point is, who sees their sin the most and the clearest? What was it that enabled this woman to worship Jesus in this way? And I want to suggest to you that she worshiped the Lord acceptably with reverence and awe. She's astonished. She's amazed. She's surprised. Why? Why? Because she's forgiven. She knows her sin. Everybody in the town knows her sin. Most scholars believe she was a prostitute. We don't know. We're not told. But she had a reputation. What was it that enabled her to worship in this way? And I'll tell you the first one. She had a keen awareness of her sinful condition. Something that Simon the Pharisee lacked. Jesus told a parable about people like Simon the Pharisee. You find it in Luke's Gospel, chapter 18, beginning in verse 9. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector, and they were despised. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people robbers, and evildoers, and adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast. And he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be Exalted. I don't recommend it. Listen to me. I don't recommend it at all. I wish I could go back and change my history. But I can't. I had no problem. (laughs) Listen to me. I had no problem seeing my sin. No problem. When I asked God to forgive me, when I asked Jesus Christ to become my Lord and Savior, it was very emotional what happened. It was very emotional because I knew. How sinful I was. I knew what I had done. I knew how I'd repeatedly over years and years sinned. I knew it. I don't recommend it. I don't recommend becoming a drug addict to come to a place you realize how bad off you are. I don't recommend living in immorality to come and find out how really sinful you are. I don't recommend it. Thank God for those of you who never went the wild life that I did. And if I asked for a show of hands, matter of fact, how many of you had a wild background like mine? Wild background. Look at that. Look at that. For the ones who didn't, and you know Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, God bless you. I wish I was like you. But with that said, let me fill you in on something that the scripture is very clear about. And you'll see it in just a minute very clearly from the scriptures. You're just as sinful as I am. Oh, you may not have done the things I did. And you look at people like me in terms of that day. You know, I was the one that your parents told you to stay away from. Thank God we're not like that Danny Hodges. Thank God my kids are not like him. Stay away from him. And you compare yourself with people like me in terms of the past and you may look pretty good. That's not the comparison. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Isaiah might have said, I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among people of unclean lips, but theirs are more unclean than mine are. My devotional reading, Thursday morning, man, did it just smack in the face in such a fresh way. Matthew 7 was part of my New Testament reading, and here I am reading, and down in verse 11, here's what it says. Jesus said, though you are evil, and yet you want to give good gifts to your children. Wait a minute. I'm a good father. I want to give good gifts to my kids, and yet Jesus said, I'm evil. But that's the truth. You ever read the book of Romans? If you're a Jewish person and you're reading the book of Romans, you start out all excited because chapter one, he's dealing with the Gentile world and he's talking about how pagan these Gentiles are and how they didn't keep the knowledge of God. And so God gives them over to all kinds of lustful things and they become depraved. And you're a Jewish person and you're reading chapter one, you're going, amen, 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 to hell with them, <laughs> you know, kind of deal. Man. That's the kind of thought they would have. And then you get to chapter two and boy, do they get shocked. And offended. (laughs) Because chapter 2, (laughs) kind of shocking if you're a Jewish person. You just dealt with the Gentile world and their condemnation. They're deserving hell. And then chapter 2 opens up this way. You therefore have no excuse. You who pass judgment on someone else for at whatever point you judge another. You're condemning yourself. Because you do the same things. What? I've never... But it's your heart. You're just as capable. And that's why chapter three, Paul, as the prosecuting attorney for heaven, concludes Do we have any advantage? Not at all, for we have already made the charge that Jews and Gentiles alike are all under the power of sin. And he quotes all these verses. There's none right righteous, none, not even one, none who understand, no one who seeks God. They've all turned away, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. One verse he uses. You've heard before here it is, Isaiah 64, 6, all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Just to get the picture, and God did it for this reason, the word in the Hebrew for filthy rags is the word in the Hebrew for the menstrual cloth of a woman and a monthly uncleanness. That's a pretty clear picture. In other words, the best we can do, the best we can do, the best we can do. Filthy rags. She had a keen awareness. And because she did, she repented. She repented. I've said before, I'll say it again. If you ever doubt God's love for you, what do you do? Look at the cross. Nobody can honestly look at the cross and say, God doesn't love me. You can honestly look at what Jesus did on the cross and say, God, he doesn't love me. But guess what? Flip that coin around. You can't honestly look at the cross and say, "Well, I'm not really that bad." I mean, I'm not really. That, I'm not like them. No, 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 no. You look at the cross, you realize how sinful we are because you look at what He had to pay. And she comes to terms with her sinfulness and she repents, and she repents, and thank God she's forgiven. And now she has a servant's heart. And she comes in the depth of her service. She kisses his feet. It's interesting because the word worship, one of the definitions of worship is to kiss. To kiss. Psalm 2 says kiss the son. Kiss the son. In other words, worship the son. There's also no limit to what she was willing to sacrifice for Jesus. This perfume is costly. It's expensive. David said, shall I offer to the Lord that which costs me nothing? Little Danny DeVito looking guy, Zacchaeus, when Jesus treated him and Jesus said, I got to go to your house today. And Jesus goes to Zacchaeus' house and Zacchaeus gets saved that day. Jesus said, this man has become a son of Abraham. Zacchaeus stands up and he says, if I've cheated anybody, I'll pay him back fourfold what I cheated him. He cheated a lot of people. He was a chief tax collector. And Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And Jesus then says, salvation has come to this house. This has become a son of Abraham. Shall I offer to the Lord? That was cost me nothing. I'll tell you something else about her. By the way, if one's commitment is lukewarm, their worship will be lukewarm. If one's commitment is lukewarm, their worship will be lukewarm. I'll tell you something else about her, and this is very encouraging and challenging at the same time. She is not intimidated by anybody. Only person she's focused on is Jesus. That's it. And you talk about a lack of intimidation. Think about what happened here. It's a dinner. Prominent Pharisee, Simon the Pharisee, all the Pharisees were prominent. In the middle, middle of this dinner... This dinner. She breaks in. Everybody knows her reputation. She breaks in and begins to do what she's doing there with Jesus. And there. You talk about a lack of intimidation. First time I ever lifted my hands to the Lord in a public worship service was at Calvary Chapel St. Pete back in the shore christ days. I began to express myself because I found things in the Psalms, especially. And I began to do it personally and privately, and then the Lord encouraged me to take it public. Why are you ashamed? You do it in private, why won't you do it in public? And I'll never forget the first time here, I am the pastor of the church. I'm the pastor of the church, and I'm intimidated by the church. I'm on the front row, and I'm thinking, if I lift my hands to the Lord in worship, what's everybody going to think? But here's what needs to happen and what has to happen. If you're going to worship Him acceptably with reverence and all, you have to come to a place, you overcome fear, and you care more about what Jesus thinks and what God thinks than what anybody else thinks. And in, until you come to that place, you're not free to worship Him acceptably. You have to overcome the intimidation. Get your mind off of who's beside you and what will they think. And even your own spouse sometimes may be the one that's thinking negatively. David dancing before the Lord. And when he gets home, what does his wife say? She judged him wrongly. So you disrobed yourself before all the servant girls. You're trying to call attention to yourself. All the women. David says to her, what I did, I did is unto the Lord. And I'll become even more undignified no matter what you think. And it's interesting, McCall, his wife, was barren the rest of your life. You want to be barren? Choose not to worship. She wasn't intimidated. She had a longing for intimacy with God. And that intimacy with God came through Jesus because Jesus is the only one. It's through him that we find forgiveness. He's the only way. In this culture, women only let their hair down and the privacy of her relationship with her husband. But don't you even begin to suggest that what this woman does with Jesus by letting her hair down is immoral. Yes. Yes, the picture, the bridegroom and the bride, but this bridegroom, Christ, and us, the church, there's no immorality here, but it is a longing to be intimate. And isn't it so wonderful that Jesus lets her? He doesn't say, what are you doing? What are you? Hey, what? Hey, stop that. No. He wants to be intimate with her as much as she wants to be intimate with him, but not in a moral way, in a spiritual way. I wrote down this, my intimacy with Jesus is dependent upon my life of purity in the world. You don't feel close to God, maybe it's your sin. You're living in sin, no wonder you don't feel close to God. Repent. Get right with God. Get right with Jesus. Draw close to him. And guess what? He'll draw close to you. And then all the glory in this woman's life now goes to Jesus. First Corinthians says, if a woman has long hair, it's her glory. And she lets her hair down. She gives him all the glory. First Corinthians chapter 10, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. I used to think there were two anointings, one by this unnamed woman and one by another woman who in other gospel accounts we give, we have her name, Mary. Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. I went back and checked out those accounts and put them together one more time in my study, and I'm convinced, I'm convinced now that this woman, unnamed here in Luke, is Mary. Give you a whole new view of Martha and Mary and Lazarus. I don't know what kind of sinners Martha and Mary were, but we know Martha serving the Lord and Her sister Mary sitting at the Lord's feet and Martha rebukes her and even says to the Lord, don't you care that my sister is not helping with all the things that need to be done? And Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you're anxious about so many things. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken from her. Most scholars believe Mary was a prostitute. We don't know. But we know she was a sinful woman and she knew it and everybody else knew it. And now all glory in her life goes to Jesus. There's one final aspect before I close. And that is the anointing of Jesus' feet after she washed them. The anointing was normally on the head, the depth of her humility. She wets his feet with her tears. She washes them with her hair. And then she anoints him with a perfume. The equivalent of those things, the washing of the feet and the anointing, which usually again was on the head, the equivalent is grabbing the deodorant, sticking it up here, looking in the mirror, freshening up. Little perfume, you know, brushing the hair, maybe a washcloth, whatever. You're refreshed. That's the equivalent. There is nothing... That refreshes the heart of the Lord than worshiping Him acceptably with reverence and awe. What she did to Jesus refreshed Jesus. Dave's gonna come. So many expressions of worship in the scriptures singing, clapping. Clapping expresses approval, praise. Also thanksgiving. Shouting, shouting. You heard some shouts last night if you were watching the game, mostly from the Pittsburgh fans. You heard groaning, mourning among the Bingles fans. Lifting hands, all kind of different reasons to lift hands. It expresses need, dependency. It can also say surrender. I surrender. I surrender. That's what you do. Put up your hand. Put up your hands. I surrender. I solemnly swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Sometimes we lift our hands and say, Lord, I'm, I'm vowing to you. I'm promising to you. A lot of different reasons to lift hands to the Lord.
0: From the Apostle Paul's conversion until his death, it was his first priority to teach and tell people about the kingdom of God. Is this on your radar as you go about your daily life? Pastor Danny has been teaching through a series called The Kingdom of God. Now this may seem removed from the here and now, but Pastor Danny wants you to understand how thinking about God's kingdom can affect your life right now. It also gives you a lot to look forward to in the life to come if you're a follower of Christ. Keep tuning in to this series about God's kingdom and we hope you'll learn some great things that are revealed in God's Word. Would you be willing to pray for us here at The Living Word? As our ministry grows, we want to make sure that we're seeking Jesus first and foremost. We're always in need of His guidance. So please pray that we'd recognize His voice and direction. Thanks so much for praying. Do you live in or near St. Petersburg? If so, we have a special invitation for you. Pastor Danny and all of us here at Calvary Chapel Fellowship would love to have you join us for our weekend services. Find out more and get directions at ccfstpete.church. Or you can join us online if you can't make it in person. Again, that website is ccfstpete.church. Thanks for tuning in today. Join us again to hear more messages from this series right here on The Living Word.